welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Now, as I start the message today, I'm actually going to start off with uh, just a couple of praise reports. And so I've asked Pastor Brett to stay on stage. Brett, tell us about one of the uh, healings that we saw uh, in our service last Sunday. Yeah, last Sunday we had the privilege of going out to Ellenbrook and preaching in the Ellenbrook congregation. And before I went, I really felt like God was speaking to me about moving in the gifts and praying for people to be, um, to be healed. So um, uh, and in the pre-service prayer, there was a great sense of anticipation. The room was buzzing with a lot of faith. And then so at the end of the uh, sermon, one uh, uh, man who'd been involved with uh, Teen Challenge but had walked away from the Lord and sort of really struggling in his Christianity, made a commitment to Christ. At the end, after, after he'd made a commitment to Christ, I gave a call for anybody who had pain in their body, not just, um, uh, uh, you know, a disease or anything, but they've had physical pain right then and there because I really felt like God wanted to be glorified to show his instantaneous power. And so uh, this man came forward. His name is Scotty. And I would encourage you to pray for Scotty. He's going to make, I really want to see him lock in. Pastor Scott's working with him to lock in. Anyway, he came forward. I said, what's wrong, Scotty? He said, I've got uh, chronic pain. I've had pain all through my back. I find it really hard and I'm in constant pain. And I said, okay, let's pray for you. We prayed a very, very simple prayer. Just asked him to repeat that prayer with me. And I said, how's it feel? And I said, can you bend over? He bent over, touched his toes immediately stood up with a big smile on his face and said, all pain had gone. Thank God for that. Last Sunday, uh, I saw Tom Lockett just before. Uh, Tom had a word of knowledge on a lady. Uh, as, as she came forward for prayer, he says, uh, paraphrasing, uh, Tom's here just to quality control what I'm saying here. I've checked it all. Uh, You've got one leg shorter than another. And she says, yes, I've just been told that. He says, can we pray for you? prayed for her she felt a click in her leg he didn't yank her leg mind you that wasn't she felt a click in her body her leg had grown um, and she was healed in that moment last week we're praying here uh, for a lady I was praying for a lady and she had a problem with her shoulder and her her hip Um, when I called her prayed for healing when I called her contacted the uh, I think the next day it was she says my shoulders uh, are still a bit sore but my hip is healed now, why do we tell you these stories? These are happening on an ongoing basis. And it's important to continue to share about the goodness of God. When we talk about Jesus and the reality of the kingdom, you can experience that. Not only can you be on the receiving end of being healed, but you can be a conduit of the grace of the power of God. You and me, we can do that. We can do that together. But we've got to keep this in mind, that if we want, if we want to grab the fruit, we've got to get out on the limb. Right? We've got to get out on the limb. Just like the old saying goes, you've heard me say it before. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the comfort of the boat. And so today, I have the privilege to share a message that I was given a couple of weeks ago. I felt the Lord put this on my heart, and it's entitled this, that safe spaces are overrated. Safe spaces are overrated. And with that, let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 16. This is the final chapter in Mark's Gospel. Uh, following up from Josie's great word last week. Wasn't it a great word? And if you missed out last Sunday, make sure you log on to uh, Facebook or YouTube. 
those that are streaming in, hop on to uh, last week's message from Josie. She shared a message called Holy Ground, and it was all about the cross and what that means for us. Um, uh, perhaps a preemptive strike in my direction saying I'm going to talk about the resurrection this week. I'm not going to do that. I'll leave that. We only talk about the resurrection on Easter weekend. We don't want, I'm, that's a joke. It's, that's a joke. We won't. But I want to fast forward to the last part of Mark chapter 16. And I'm going to read from verse 9 through to verse 20. Mark chapter 16, verse 9 through to verse 20. Before we start reading, can we just pray? Father, we thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit through the, through the incredible Word of God. And we ask that our hearts would be ripe to hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. Okay, so the first part of Mark's last chapter, Mark 16, the first part is all about the resurrection, a very important uh, conversation for us. In fact, without the resurrection, we would have no life. This is grade one stuff for us, that, that God came into humanity. He put skin on. He incarnated in the flesh. He gave up his life, died for us. A criminal's death was buried, came back to life and was seen by a whole range of different people. He had encounters and conversations with a whole range of different people. And we're going to see a couple of eyewitness accounts just now. From verse 9, it says, Now when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. I've underlined that in my Bible. They would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. I've underlined that as well. They did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Let's consider that for a second. Jesus died. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, a rich man's tomb. He disappeared. The stone was rolled away. And he appeared to whom, first of all? Right. He, he appeared to Mary. It's interesting that he first appears to a woman, isn't it? We're about to come into the time of Christmas 
And uh, wasn't it shepherds that were used in that story? The shepherds had this revelation. This Shepherds were called by God. There was shepherds with a lowly. The women in this time were not, their testimony was not to be considered with much value. Jesus appears to a woman, and in fact we can see um, the equivalent is in John's Gospel, John chapter 20, verse 11 to 18. She's actually told to go and speak to the disciples about what she had seen. So Jesus sent this woman, but they didn't believe her. They didn't believe her. She was a woman. But then it says that Jesus appeared in another form to two of them. Who knows this story? It's, it's, it's the road to Emmaus. And Luke chapter 24 talks about this. So Jesus appeared in another form. Uh, perhaps what I think it is, he appeared in a form where he was kind of incognito, where they were walking with some of the disciples, but they didn't know that it was Jesus until well after the fact. But still, the Bible says, even with these blokes, they didn't believe them either. They're not believed. They didn't believe them. Verse 14, afterward, Jesus appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart. Because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. It's not that Jesus rebuked them for the hardness of heart for not believing that Jesus was God. It was that Jesus didn't believe the testimony of having seen the risen Christ. They had a hard heart. Didn't believe those who saw him after he had risen. He rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. They have not believed those who saw him after he had risen. I wonder how often I hear a testimony about someone's encounter with Jesus and my heart is hardened. I wonder how often Jesus does a work and shows up in someone's life, goes and sends them to come and speak to me, but I don't believe because of hardness of my heart. Remember, Jesus appeared to Mary and John's gospel says that Jesus sent her, but they still didn't believe. Through the next number of verses, I've just got kind of three core questions. The first question I want to pose to you is this, and that you can ask yourself, do I have a hard heart? Do I have a hard heart? That is, do I really believe God? Or am I stubborn in unbelief? What's interesting to me is that Jesus said that he would come back to life. Jesus told them that he'd come back to life. It wasn't out of the ordinary of things that he would say. He promised that it would happen. If his word is like a, a structure in a house, well, what had happened was not outside of that structure. It, filled, it fitted well within the realm of what he had promised. And yet still they couldn't believe because of their hardness of heart. And here we see in Mark's gospel, this, there's this whole contention about faith and hardness of heart. We've gone through that, haven't we? He rebuked them. He comes against them. Can I put to you, friends, that when God 
comes and rebukes you or challenges you or tests you, that's a very safe place to be in. The world would tell you that the safest space for you to be in is where you're not being challenged. It's where someone disagrees with you. Where someone might rebuke you or even tell you off or question your reality. Can you pass me that blanket, please? Actually, can I have that pillow too? I'm going to get myself really comfortable. I'm very This is my security blanket. It's very cuggly. I've got my pillow. And I'm nice and safe. This is my safe space. Don't come near me. Don't question me. Don't bother me. Because I'm safe here. I'm going to sit in the corner, suck my thumb, and sing Kumbaya. If all I ever do is avoid tension, conflict, or challenge, I'm going to miss out on the opportunity for a miracle. One of the most challenging things about following Jesus is that I have to do it with other people. Do you know that the Lord designed humanity for community? We are created for community, from community. The Trinity is a community of persons, and we reflect that. In fact, when Jesus did discipleship, it was in community. It was with other people. He did it with a group of people. And in that gives rise to tension and challenge. And sometimes the Lord will rebuke me through you. He will challenge me through you. Yes, He encourages me through you, but He also sharpens me through you. The world might say the safest place for you to be is by yourself with no one else troubling you. I'm here to tell you that is antithetical to the kingdom culture. We are better together. Even and sometimes especially when we disagree. So when Jesus shows up, he doesn't just show up like a cloud all of the time with red fiery eyes. Sometimes he's going to show up through you and speak to me. And sometimes he's going to show up through your spouse or your children or your parents. How many parents? You're like, man, my, my kids, they've, they've really been used by God to teach me a lesson today. <laughs> I get them. I get them all the time. And so my submission is, may we continue to share the testimonies, like we heard before, of the goodness of God, what we've seen and what we've heard. And when we hear those testimonies, let it, let it melt our hearts. It's interesting that the same sun can cause a ground to become hard, but also that same sun can cause a stick of butter just to melt. When we hear a testimony of the goodness of God, how does it affect the condition of our heart? Will we melt? Or will we harden? Oh, he did it again for them. Oh, I'm getting really annoyed with God because he hasn't come through for me and my miracle yet. Let's check out. I was talking to Pastor Brett this morning. Uh, uh, Joshua chapter 2, he pointed this out. I love this. Jo Joshua chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. 
Actually, let's go for verse 10. It says, this is Rahab. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted destruction. And as we have heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. What was Rahab's experience with God? It was through the testimony of someone else and it affected her. When you share God's goodness and his work through you, I want it to melt my heart. I don't want to have a hard heart. I am responsible for the state of my heart, not you. I'm responsible. What you do, what you say, how you live, how you respond, I'm not responsible for that. But I am responsible for what goes on in here. Sometimes in life, Christians, brothers and sisters, life gets really hard. And there are things beyond our control that we are not responsible for. However, we are responsible for the state of our heart. Will I have a hard heart or will I have a soft heart? Oh, Lord, would you just soften my heart like a stick of butter? If there's unbelief and there's doubt, Lord, would you just get rid of it? Why is it that we allow unbelief and doubt to roam around our minds rent-free so often? We wonder. We're so concerned. We're so anxious unnecessarily. My maths and science brain tends to often want to know the details. How did that happen? Is there a medical report yet? What did the doctors say? And, and what happens is my heart starts to justify or give reason for why God probably didn't do it instead of, yeah, you know what? God probably did. I was one time sitting in a service a number of years ago. I've shared this with some of you before. And I had, when I was in year four, I had a severe uh, 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 car accident. And then when I was in my late teenage years, it was about, I was about 19 years old. I was having severe chronic lower back pain uh, through, the, um, through the winter months. It was cold and I could barely move. I could barely walk properly. I was sitting in a service listening to someone talk about faith. And she was talking about how God can still heal and God does things. And so I sat down in the service and she asked if anyone wanted prayer. I stood up along with half a dozen other people. Just, yep, I, I, I want healing. I sat down in my chair. And um, about one or two minutes after Nothing had happened. As I was sitting down, just listening, all of a sudden I felt a knock in the back of my chair. I thought someone had knocked me as, as I was sitting. And I thought, hang on, no, I'm a few rows from the back. There's no one there. I looked around, there was absolutely no one there. Well, have a guess what? My back pain had gone. It had gone. I had back pain for five weeks and it had just gone like that. No one laid hands on me. I, I, I believed, but I kind of didn't believe. It was like the Mark 9.24, one of the disciples that said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. That was me. So I had, I had just kind of like a, a, a faith the size of a mustard seed that I just believed and I left it. And all of a sudden, I don't know what that was. I don't know. I can't explain it. Whether it was the finger of God, whether it was an angel, I don't know. I don't give a rip what it was. All I know is I was healed. I was healed. How many other people, you've had, you've had stories like that and you cannot, you, you, you cannot explain it. 
You've had those experiences. Next Sunday, you're going to hear from a man who, who swears. But he called me up this week. He says, my wife and I, we should have, we should have died this week. This, this is what I heard just this week gone. He's going to give his testimony about how he says God woke him and saved him. You're going to hear it. Pay attention to that. God still does miracles today, my friends. He still does miracles. Let's read on. Jesus said to them, Go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. By the way, that's not whoever um, is not baptized will be condemned. Uh, Can we put that verse up, please? Some people that believe, there there, there are small portions of the Christian community that believe you need to be... um, uh, both believers and baptized to be saved. That's, and they use this scripture. That's not what this scripture is saying. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. You are saved by your belief and profession of faith. Romans 10.9 talks about this. Right? We, are, we, we are saved when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. But we are to be baptized in water as an act of obedience. That's what follows. It's a testament to others. We're being buried. It's, it's a profession of our faith. We're being buried and come back to life again. Romans 6 talks about that. Let's continue to read. It says, Whoever believes is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up serpents with their hands. If they drink any deadly poison, it'll not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. I love that passage. Jesus tells them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Let's jump down to verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere. So Jesus commands them, go and preach the gospel. Go and live out the go of the gospel. Walk it out. Do something with it. And so they did it. So here's my question for us, family, for every single one of us. Will I go and proclaim the gospel? Will I do it? Not will the pastor do it. Not will the teachers do it with my kids. Not will the televangelists do it. Will I do it? Because Jesus commissioned me to preach the gospel. He's commissioned me. It's the great commission, not the great suggestion. Hey guys, if you if you really want to, uh, uh, if, if 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 the stars align, um, uh, disciples just want to tell you, I'm 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 your savior and I love you. And if if, if you've got a bit of spare time in between Netflix and and Amazon Prime, if you just want to, you know, tell your neighbor about, no, he says, go, go into all the world, preach the gospel, the good news of the King, that Jesus is King and His kingdom reality is for you. He died on the cross that we would live. That we would be saved and set free. That we would rule and reign. This gospel of the kingdom is spectacular. It is the message that Jesus is alive. Will I play it safe then? Or will I move in faith? Because it's kind of scary when we talk to other people about this, this, this crazy message of the cross that God 
God would save you by dying. What? What kind of weak God is that? Can we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18? It says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's the power of God. The message of the cross is foolishness to some. It doesn't make sense. Why would I believe in a God who is so weak that he got killed? Like that's, that doesn't make sense. But do you know when, when Jesus gave up his life willingly for us, that wasn't a sign of weakness. It was a sign of strength. Jesus was flexing his muscles by laying down his life for us that we would live. He was showing us what life could look like, that we would find our lives by losing it. There was an exchange that took place. My muck, my sin, my shame for his righteousness. And we're living in a world that is becoming increasingly lost. I took one of my daughters out on a date yesterday and we went through a shopping center and in the shopping center, she got a little bit freaked out because she saw a man, probably 6364, a man dressed up in drag as a woman standing next to Santa Claus. Now I think, what do I do in this moment? Do I walk the other way? Do I have a conversation with her? And so we started having the conversation about it as we do. And so she's a little bit freaked out by what she says. Dad, that's weird. So we start having the conversation as there are men dressing up as women and other women as well that were there in roller skates and rollerblades, painting rainbows on kids' faces and getting photos with Santa. And then as I'm talking about it, we're reading what it is. It's all about they're trying to promote uh, uh, to be proud and raising funds for the LGBTIQ plus community in Western Australia. And as we're talking, I said, look, we've talked about this before, because we have. That the world doesn't know Jesus, so ha they have a different set of standards, a different way of living. So we love everyone. God loves everyone. We disagree, however, with certain decisions and choices that people make. So as we start to unpack a little bit, the question is asked, well, is it clear that homosexuality in the, is in the Bible and that it's wrong? Because I've had another Christian tell me that, 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 that it's okay. I said, let me be very clear with you. The Bible is very clear on this. I gave scripture and reference. I said, but let's forget about those scripture and scripture references in the New Testament. Let's go back to the Old Testament in Genesis 1. When God made the world, he made what? She says, male and female. That was God's intention. So we moved away from the conversation of hey, what is sinful and what is not sinful, what is okay and not okay. Moreover to sin is anything that goes against God's intention. Sin is missing the mark on what God's plan is. So we have the conversation. Do you think it was God's best, God's plan for male to be with male or female to be with female? No, Dad, it doesn't make sense. You can't even have children that way. I said, well, you're clicking on, you're right. I said, so this is not God's best. We still love people. I've got members of my family that are 
L, G, B, another one, probably an I. I've got a few of them. So it's, it's not foreign relationally for me. But God is opposed to sin, but still loves intrinsically people. And he loves us so much that he calls us from that back to himself. So what do I do? So I'm having the conversation with my child. And I say, now we've got to do something about this. So I just went over to, to the information desk. I said, excuse me, can I ask some questions about what's happening here? We start having the conversation. So I just need to let you know, I'm really unhappy about what's happening right here. I've got a daughter with me. She's a little bit freaked out by this. You're asking children to sit with getting photos on the, right next to Sandra. And, and I, I said, this is not, like, this is not okay. I'm, I'm actually deeply offended by this. I use their same language. I'm deeply offended. I'm deeply offended. Oh, okay. I said, can I tell you what's most alarming to me out of all of this, though? I'm not so concerned or disappointed with people that are paid to do a job. It's the decision makers here at this shopping center and wherever you're getting your, your directive from that's paying for this to happen. And I'm seeing within feet a nativity scene of Jesus in a manger. I said, now that's a slap in the face. I accept that people think differently and function differently, but I should be able to celebrate Christmas and honor Christ in a way that's not a slap in the face. So I just say that to you because we have a world that is getting confused. This is not the time to spend more time shouting down the world, but still loving the world, but also being true to our convictions. There is a world that is going to hell in a handbasket. And if all we do is we sit in a holy huddle and we sing Kumbaya. Kumbaya is good. I love that song. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. I love the holy huddles. But if all we're going to do is sit together and not reach the world, why get upset with the world? They don't know Jesus. They don't have the Spirit of God. Can I show up the Charles Spurgeon quote, please? That's what Spurgeon says. I do want you all to feel that it is not the end though it may be the beginning of Christian life, to come and hear sermons. Scatter as widely as ever you can the blessing which you get for yourself. The moment you find the light and realize that the world is in the dark, run away with your match and lend somebody else a light. We are called to live out the go of the gospel, my friends. And we've all got invitations. We've got to hand them out. My six-year-old has been planning her birthday party for quite some time. She's been asking me about it since July. She spent two to three weeks designing a, um, an invitation. Hope, that precious little darling. She got me to print out more invitations than spots at the party. She's always wanting to know, Dad, how many people can I have? Does that include family? Does that include uncles or aunties? Because she wants more and more. And she asked me to print out more than required because she knows that not everybody is going to be able to come or maybe even want to. And she doesn't want to limit the amount of spots at her party. From a young age, children work out this principle that sometimes people are not going to respond. Why is it that I am often so disheartened when someone doesn't accept the invitation I give them about Jesus? 
Sometimes it's not on the first invitation. Sometimes it's on the 10th invitation. But may we not allow fear or the sense of rejection stop us from handing out an invitation. See, the Lord has put invitations within us. Our neighbor, the person at the shopping mall, the person we work with, just hand them out lovingly, invite them. Go and preach the good news everywhere to every creature. And if they say no, they say no. Let them decide, not you. If they reject you, so be it. If they mock you, so be it. I remember doing schools ministry in Balladura High School, Balladura Community College as a youth pastor. We had about 15, 20 kids going in there, uh, of our students going in there. And we once had one of the students, Jesse Tuomata. He spat on one of our workers. He would mock Christians. Do you know what happened one day? He got saved and he was one of the most on-fire guys in that whole school. He ran prayer meetings. If they mock Jesus, they're certainly going to mock us. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. We know this one. I'm just going to breeze over it because of time. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all, not just some, all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. As we finish, let's just finish reading the last bit again. It says, uh, these signs will accompany those who believe. If you believe, these are the signs that will follow. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up serpents with their hands. If they drink any deadly poison, it won't hurt them. Uh, they will lay their hands on the sick. They'll recover. These are, the, these are the types of things that will follow the gospel, belief and proclamation. And we see this in Acts chapter 28. We see Paul... Uh, as he's making a fire, um, a serpent snatched onto his, his arm. People were freaked out thinking this guy is a bad dude. He's obviously done something wrong to be bitten by a snake. What did Paul do? As he's proclaiming the gospel, he just shook it off. He shook it off. The people that were there said, oh, we're, we're waiting. We're going to see what's going to happen to this bloke. Let, let, let's check out for swelling. Let's see if he gets sick or dies. Never guess what? Paul was fine. He just shook it off. These signs shall follow those that believe. Just shake it off. Just shake it off. As you're sharing the gospel and you're figuratively bitten by someone, just shake it off. It's okay. God will protect you. You'll be okay. Eternal life is far more important than having our ego punctured. Isn't it worth the risk? And it says, So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompany, accompanying signs. Question, final question is, is the Lord working with me? Is the Lord working with me? Your version might say that the Lord work through them. Verse 20, they went, they preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message with accompanying signs.
question perhaps that we can ask ourselves. Am I making space? Am I making space for Jesus to confirm his word? When we tell people about Jesus, are we making space? Are we making space? Paul says in Romans, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God under salvation. It's not just empty words. It is the power of God. When we proclaim the good news of the kingdom, that Jesus Christ has come into this world and given up his life for us, that we would receive forgiveness and eternal life, that we can have hope in him, that we can live with him. When we preach that message, make space for the miraculous, for signs and for wonders. Acts 14, and I'll finish with this verse. Acts 14, verse 1 to 3. Are you still with me? Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers So they remained a long time, watch this, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. 1 Corinthians 4.20 tells us that the kingdom of God doesn't just consist in talk, but in power. Do you know that the Lord loves the demonstration to follow the proclamation. Do you know he loves to show off? God loves to show off. He loves to show that the words about him match up with the reality of him. I wonder if if we can, before we leave, just pray and ask the Lord that if we have hard hearts, unbelieving hearts, familiar hearts, that the Lord would soften it. That we'd believe again, trust again, anticipate again. I wonder if we'd consider in our lives making space for the demonstration of the power of God following the proclamation of His Word. If there's fear in our hearts, I wonder if we could just just cast that to the side and let God use our mouths to invite people to know Him. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads, please? I want you to think about this. When Jesus finished up, he died on the cross. He came back to life. You know, the Bible says he sat at the right hand of God in his place of honor. He's resting. His work is finished, but ours has not. His work is completed, but ours is beginning. When Jesus 
calls for us. I get so excited about signs and wonders, but you know the greatest sign, the greatest wonder that, that I get to be part of is when someone gets saved. That's, it is. I, I, I think that God cares more about that too. I think God cares more about people knowing Him eternally than just having a leg grown. You know, I've, I've seen a leg grow when I've prayed for them. I've seen a back straighten when I've prayed for them. I've met someone that literally God had shown me what they're studying at school and what they're looking to work in in their profession. I've seen that. I've operated that. And that excites me. But you know what excites me even more than that? Is when someone gets saved. When someone moves from darkness into light. Someone that has not heard can now hear. Someone that's blind can now see. And only the Spirit of God can do that. Only the, the Holy Spirit of God can save someone. And so I want to put a call out for us this morning to be open to the Holy Spirit reviving us. Reviving us. Reviving our hearts. Transforming our hearts. Maybe leading us into repentance. If you're here today, we're going to put a call out just as as we leave. We're going to put a call out that if you need healing in your body, we're going to pray for you. Whatever it is. Maybe it's an emotional issue, a relational issue, a financial issue. Miracles are miracles. We want to stand with you. But before we do that, I want to put the call out for anyone that doesn't yet know who Jesus is. Do you know who He is? Have you received Him yet? Truly received Him? Not added Him to your life, but given Him your life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let's pray together. Father, we ask right now that Your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit would speak deeply to our hearts and that we would hear. If there's anyone here this morning and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus, I've got to get my heart right with Him today. Today. If that's you, would you put your hand up, please? I would love to pray for you. You say, Josh, I want to become a Christian. I want to follow Christ. I want to give Him my everything. Thank you, Holy Spirit, right now for salvation in this room. For anyone that is far from you, to know you, to meet you, to encounter you. Is there anyone this morning that's going to accept the invitation to put Jesus first? Not second, not third, but first in everything. Is there anyone this morning? You say, that's me, count me in. I want to give my life to Him right now. Wonderful. Let's stand up to our feet, church. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing, and then we're going to invite you to come forward. Let's stand up just as we're dismissed. Wonderful. Father, right now in this room, I pray that you would renew our hearts. Lord, as a church community, would you renew our hearts afresh just now? And if there are parts of our hearts where there is hardness, where there is unbelief, Lord, we trust you, we surrender to you, and we say, Lord, do it again. Revive us again. Refresh us again. Rejuvenate again. Father, may this church be a hot house for your glory to manifest. Lord, may we see that we are carriers of your presence, where we would not be indifferent to you or the reality of your power at work. May we be conduits of grace. We need your grace, Lord. We need your grace. 
We thank you, Father. May we live out the go of the gospel. Would you put people in our hearts just now that you want us to minister to, to send a message to, to embrace, give a gift to, speak to, work on, to not give up on? We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.